0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Cripple Stump. I'm Shabazz Mohammed, and with me today I have another guest, Guyan, who will introduce himself to all you lovely people. So over to you, Guyan.
1: Hi there. Yes, I'm. Uh, my name is Guyan Samarasinghe, and um, I'm a, a lawyer. And over uh, the last year, I also um, helped uh, organize, organize, sort of run a project collecting uh, diaries that people were writing during the pandemic. Um, it was called Journals of a Pandemic, and it was uh, recently um, acquired by the the Wellcome Trust, the Wellcome Collection. It was it was a sort of a collective writing project, um, and it wanted to gather personal impressions and experiences of life during. This COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but we, we were particularly interested in, in voices and stories of, of um, people, individuals and groups who, who weren't as well represented in the mainstream media. Um, and, uh, and we also wanted to give um, give us and those people a chance to tell tell their own stories rather than have their stories written by others. So, so, that that's what the project was about, and uh, that that's how that's not how I met um, you, Shabazz, Obviously, because we 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 corresponded, um, we emailed each other, and spoke. Uh, I think al- almost eight years ago, probably now. Um, but um, that that was how we we recently uh, started up uh, uh, getting getting in touch.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll just straight say it straight off the bat for all the listeners and stuff that it's really weird for me to speak to you after all this length of time because I don't want this episode to be probably really about me, but uh, Guyane transcribed my audio messages to him that I sent daily. I think I counted, uh, I did 220 entries and uh, Guyane listened to my internal thoughts and my head is a very complicated place as God probably tell you better than i can but um yeah so it's a very odd experience for me to finally get this opportunity to speak to you so my first question is uh did you regret doing the the journals <laughs> no no not, not at all then no. um no
1: what,
0: what why why do you ask? I I ask because you know you know you've got other stuff to it going on in your life and there's like all, you know especially dealing with somebody like myself and constantly sending like <laughs> in a, in the thoughts and, and at that point you know me but I'm essentially a stranger to you so, do you think you bit off yeah. more than you could chew, essentially? I mean, I think I think there was an element of perhaps biting off a little
1: bit more than we could chew at, at certain points, um, both for both me and Anna. When, um, but then, but then equally, uh, we also wanted it to get really big. We wanted to get as many diary entries as possible. Yeah, and we were always um, <clears throat> we were always trying to get more and more. Really. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think I think I think of that time of, of recording the diaries and writing them uh, sort of it was it was this, It's hard to separate that period um, of my life from this, the strangeness of the of when COVID-19 first, you know, sort of, sort of struck because um, I, I remember I had just um, my parents were just coming back from holiday in Sri Lanka. And it was spreading really fast. This this, this um, pandemic. And my father is um, in his seventies, and he's he's had a triple heart bypass, and he's is diabetic. So he would he would have been um, quite vulnerable to the to COVID, very vulnerable. So, and my sister also had. We didn't know about my sister. She had rheumatoid arthritis, um, and um, which has been managed with. Uh, medicine that suppresses her immune system a little bit so when it first started I was very worried and I remember um I was just in the middle of a move I had was just moving out of my uh, flat um and I didn't have anywhere to go because um and I the only place I could go was I was going to stay with my parents for a while but that suddenly seemed to be a very bad idea um, or very very risky because at that time I, I thought I would still have to be working and going out and sort of being exposed possibly to this virus. So I remember in the week before my parents came home, I was very scared. I was I was living I was staying in their house, but I was confining myself to just one room, and I was thinking about getting a basin sort of to wash in. So I wouldn't have to use the, the bathroom like a tub, um, and I was thinking of um, yeah, just just having to wipe down every. Every, every surfaces every time I went to the, the the kitchen, and I was reading about how long the virus lasts, so I could I could time things correctly. So it was a very very strange time. and yeah. Suddenly I moved in with my and to my girlfriend's flat, and that's where um, Anna, who's the other, who's the other, uh, who's the really the, sort of the founding person who sort of had the idea of journals of the pandemic and it up. That's where she was, and then she had this idea at that time. So it was a. I remember feeling it was odd. It was big big move for me moving from my previous home suddenly moving in with, with my girlfriend um in strange circumstances I didn't really have my you know initially it was just very temporary I didn't have my own space there. And then this project started. So it was it, it's it was a strange period for everyone, I think. Um, yeah. And it's hard to separate that from it. But I don't I don't re- regret it. But and um I think I you know it was I, I think I didn't make s- some interesting connections with people during the project i mean you know writing your your diaries um yeah. was a yeah you, you're right it, 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 you really do get inside someone's head when, when you're when you write uh, when, when you transcribe all those diaries and while um i think the welcome trust said they would just take those entries which we hadn't transcribed yet but um I, I remember looking at through the website the ones we transcribe i think your diary is is by is is the longest possibly that that we that we have and so it's very good it's a very good record of um, yeah. the events of the day and and your feelings and and sort of, you know, analysis of what was happening yeah it's very interesting to read and so yeah I, I, I enjoy doing things like that I enjoyed um um the the variety of people who contributed um I, I, I met someone um uh, a person that um who had written uh, in the diary actually quite randomly she turned out to be a friend of a client of mine yeah and she um so she turned, helped take her to court and yeah it, it was so the people that who read diaries a very very um, had very interesting story so it was, yeah. it was a very good, very interesting quote
0: it's uh, very interesting for me obviously because now I'm hearing your side of it and I'm like, shit, I, found, I feel like really selfish, you know? Because yeah. I didn't even, like, I, I obviously, you know, theoretically, people have got all the, you know, the stuff going on in their lives, but you don't know the gritty, nitty gritty detail, you know? You know, like, like that kind of thing. And, right, um, right. You know now. Now I feel kind of not overly, but I feel a bit guilty that I, I was very self-absorbed by it all. You know, and like I was so desperate to get my voice out there because I'm yeah. a very nihilistic person anyway. And during the my early parts of the pandemic, I was like, "This was life or death for me." You know, sure. It, I mean, um, maybe I made it too big in my head, but in in one sense, it was like God. If I don't get my voice out now, I Yuck. I could die from this virus. So yeah. you know, if I don't. Well, I mean, I don't,
1: I don't, I not think. No, I don't think it. That, you know, it was. I didn't get the impression it was self-absorbed at all. I think everyone, um, everyone uh, was obviously. It, well, it's part of the diaries. Part of the diaries is, is thinking about what you're experiencing yeah. and recording your thoughts and your, and yeah. your um, impressions, isn't it? So that, yeah. that's that's what's helpful. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the stakes for you were incredibly high.
0: Yeah. And uh, and the other tricky element of uh, the diary for me was mm. at, the, at, the, at the one level being really open, but on the other level being kind of private and keeping keeping other people's pr- privacy was also important to me because I didn't want them to read it in the future yeah. and think I, I was, like, journaling everything we were going through or, you know. Sure, yeah. So for me, again, I may have built it up in my head as of the, as this big thing that I was definitely definitely doing. But then it was the kind of thing of I'm wanting to keep some kind of level of privacy because I didn't want them to read it in the future because I was just recording these voice notes and they were going into the ether. They were going to you. And for all I knew, you could have just be piling them up on the, on the side, you know? I know you were, you wasn't, but... It could have been anything. You you yeah. were essentially a stranger to me, you know? And, yeah, yeah. and every time I was speaking to you, I was metaphorically taking more and more clothes off, you know? So, so it's kind of naked, but when you're, uh, I don't want to make it sound too big, but when you're a disabled person, you're kind of vulnerable like that, you know? Because you have to trust people. And... Some people find it really hard to trust people, but some people have no choice but to trust people. So I just had to trust that you you were gonna do do something with them. And even if you didn't, even if you thought it was it was too much for you or whatever, I just thought at least I've got an avenue to get my voice out there and and that was that was before I started the other podcast I was doing as another way of getting my voice out there, you know, because not that I feel like I'm important, but I feel like I'm as important as anybody else, you know? Sure, yeah, in, no, absolutely, yeah. In that, and, in that um, sense.
1: Yeah.
0: I so, mean, yeah, no,
1: I, I completely, yeah, I completely um, get that. And um, I think it's... Well, I think I think I think it's really good that the Welcome Trust have taken it. I think it means yeah. that um, it'll have a, it'll be preserved in a very interesting way, and yeah. um, it, it may even make its its way into exhibitions in the future.
0: Yeah, because um, in one sense, once I've said what I said, I've forgotten, you know. So right. you know, unless I look back through those audio diaries for myself. I can't remember what I'd said because it was cathartic for me. It was once I got it out onto the onto the onto the recorder, that was it It's was gone for me. you know
1: yeah, i mean I, I've had I've that di- diary writing can be cathartic and therapeutic um, yeah I think that there's ways there's ways of doing it um, which can make it more therapeutic um, but yeah I think I think, it, I think it, it definitely can help.
0: But I've got to be honest, and and I, I think I probably told you at the time when it ended, it came out of the blue, and I felt like I, I'd been abandoned by a girlfriend. You know. Yeah,
1: well, I I remember. No, I remember you saying you saying that, and well, not saying that that specifically that analogy, mm. but I can I can understand it because. Um, it was i suppose it's it's sort of like a, it was like a ritual wasn't it for for a yeah. lot of us. yeah and i was like um, go sorry go on yeah it was like a ritual for a lot of us I, I i you know a few people um i could tell they understood you know it had it was at an end but they 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 wondered if we'd we'd continue a bit longer um yeah part of you know i i think um yeah part of me didn't want to continue it. Um, but it was I think it, it was purely just just a question of, of the fact that but because me and Anna um, had had so many other um, sort of projects/ work, mostly for me mostly just my, my general work can sometimes eat up all, all my time in a way that I don't really like but it happens. Yeah. So it just it just meant yeah. I just I just didn't want to. um, I I think Anna felt quite strongly that the project, uh, if if we became overwhelmed, we should we should close down the project rather than yeah not uploading things or not running it properly and you know keeping it keeping it um, in the shape that we wanted it to be.
0: Yeah. And but again, without sounding too self-absorbed, I was thinking. Shit, am I playing a part in this thing closing down because I'm overwhelming them with so much <laughs> stuff? And no, I'm no, not- I didn't. No, no, no,
1: It wasn't. It wasn't that because. Um, so Anna had a lot of work to do. Yeah. So I, I would be transcribing your diaries, um, and and I would be doing other things as well. Yeah. And um, but you know, and I, I think Anna did more work than me on journals of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, she did a lot of the management and admin and things um she you know would be reaching out to different organizations and groups um there was a interesting project a creative writing project in prison in prisons um that yeah. we wanted to that we that, that we actually um we spoke with a facilitator um of this project and um they they put out a what was called a thinklet a um as part of this creative writing class um there was this option of writing for journals of a pandemic but um we, so that that there were things like really interesting things like that that Anna, Anna, uh, was doing that i was sometimes helping with um but it just it just generated quite a quite a bit of work and also because we're not particularly um i.t savvy and um the way, for example, the website ran meant we had to do a lot of things manually. I'm sure if if we had, you know, someone who was who who was a tech, um, who was more tech, technologically literate, that uh, they would have said, "Oh, you're doing everything all wrong. You can just you know, simplify this." But, yeah, but no, but yeah, it was, I I I think um, yeah, I, I often told people who said, "Oh, you know," um, who who were sad about the project cl- closing, I am. Um, I did say I, I hope they continue journaling though, because um, these this sort of these sort of diaries are um, I think they they're useful uh, and they're interesting and they it does I think it doesn't say much matter who archives them it was I mean we archived the, the journals and we were collecting them and obviously we had specific like. We wanted to get voices, as, as I said, who 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 hadn't been heard, who uh, interesting stories. But there were a lot of these projects running, who were collecting diaries from the pandemic, and and I think you know one day uh, there may be um, books or exhibitions or you know there'll be articles or research using all using these diaries. And it, it may be some may be from journals of the pandemic, some will be from other sources. But I think it was um, sort of a project that went beyond our our um, website so I, I i often said especially people you know like you for example with York diaries there's a friend of mine called phil who who had been uh, writing his diary before the before we approached him so he's one of the first people we got and he had just been right starting a diary because he'd read um you know this uh, diary for plague year, i think and uh, it inspired him a little bit like i like think it did a lot of people um uh to to keep a diary of, of this um of the year. So I, I
0: think um I think it, it's cool that there's any diaries out there. Yeah I mean just to clarify that once I ended I couldn't I couldn't join another diary out. that was it for me. I I didn't want to cheat, you know I I I um I was like well if it's ended then that that would be it. But I remember clearly going, well, I can't remember what what number it was on. But in my head, I was like, well, I need to end it on my own terms. And I remember to you, you can close it whenever you like, but I'm going to give you 220 entries. Mm. Do with with that what you will. And that was my my way of getting some kind of ownership over it, you know? Oh, Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that. I mean, I can understand that.
1: And I say I think um, yeah I think both um, Anna and I f- uh, felt it, yeah it, w- it was a sort of a privilege to to play that sort of role in in helping people um, in, in gathering these diaries because we wanted it to be sort of um, you know com- a, c- sort of very collaborative process and our role really was just helping people people do it and and gathering them um, but. But the fact that you know the fact that, for example, a lot of people wanted the, the website to to keep going and and the project to keep running, and that that was an important part of of them continuing to write the diaries, didn't mean yeah, didn't mean there's you know a sense of you know responsibility and you, you wanted it to.
0: Right now, let's talk to... a bit about you. Right, sure. Now let's yeah. talk a bit about you. So what what you were doing diaries at the same time? So what did you learn about yourself throughout doing those diaries? Do you um, think?
1: What did I learn? Uh, I think I think I realised um, firstly that that I really do, uh, I I do enjoy I do enjoy um, writing a diary, but I think I am also quite a, a private per, can be a private person to, to, to a certain extent, yeah. and I think a public a diary like that, that was public, um, particularly because um, my girlfriend and my flatmate knew um you know I was writing a friend of mine a couple of fr- few friends of mine knew I was writing it and I think because I was gathering um when I was gathering trying to encourage friends and people I knew to write for it I would say that you know I've written for yeah. it too and because of that I did feel a bit like um I couldn't I couldn't sort of say everything that was going on in my head yeah and I think maybe my diary in sort of, I ended up sort of maybe, sort of becoming a bit, um, yeah, sort of a, a bit restrained in that sense. Yeah. So it didn't make me. It didn't make me think. Actually, I, you know, I do, I do like writing a diary, but I should, I, maybe I should, um, when the project is over, just just write one for, for myself, but, but no, no one, no one will read. And have you in the past?
0: And have you? Uh,
1: I- Occasionally, I, I write. Yeah, occasionally yeah. I write, but I haven't kept it regularly as with journals of the pandemic. Yeah, but I, I suppose maybe that's what was good about journals of pandemic was that because everyone was doing it together, there was uh, there was sort of um, a, kind of a collective push to do it, and you you read other you know one of the things I liked was reading other people's diaries and and you know especially friends of mine.
0: Yeah, and
1: I think uh, it's an interesting. Thing to, to be able to read someone else's diaries and, uh, and, and what how they're experiencing
0: and what has it taught you? Do you think about humanity?
1: Well, that's a you know, it's a big, big, big question. I mean, I think um, what has it taught me? I mean, I, I wouldn't, I you know, I can't, I can't claim to let any any huge, you know, big profound, profound lessons. No. But I think, I think it's, I suppose it, sh- it shows. You know it, it showed how, how difficult um, the pandemic um, has been for different people for different reasons and I think that that's something that um, I, I I suppose that is quite quite a profound thing, I mean um, in, a very important thing anyway. Yeah. I think um, if it wasn't for Covid, uh, reading those diaries I wouldn't have had as, as, as fuller um, understanding of, of how devastating um COVID you know has been. I mean I, I know it's impossible to ignore when you when you see um the static statistics for example that's on the news of every day and, and things like that and when you when you if you're following politics but I think um when you read uh something as personal as a diary um and also, from people who sort of you sort of you know you have some connection to, sometimes or even if you don't, um, I think it drives it home in a, in a more visceral way. I think in a more in a deeper way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that I think that, that was one one element that, that that I learned. I think,
0: yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong, but you ended up like getting COVID, like. Later on as well, didn't did you? Like, did I did. You have... Yeah,
1: in January, I, I got, I got I, COVID. Yes.
0: Yeah. So you know, uh, what was that experience like?
1: Uh, it was, you know, awful. It was well uh, and I, I didn't have it as as badly as um, uh, you know some other people have had it. But yeah. I, I had a fever for for about ten days, um, yeah. and um, I just remember. I remember I'd gone to um, gone to court a couple of days before that. And okay. I had to get travel to, to a, re- a court that's really far away. It's one you sort of dread going to when, when you have a case there. Um, um, it's somewhere near Heathrow, yeah. West London Family Court. And I think on the train there, or maybe at court, I might have got it. Um, when I got to court, um, ironically, my client didn't turn up. And... The the person we were against didn't turn up either, so I was the only person there and the judge. Wow! <laughs> and uh, um, so <laughs> so it was completely pointless um, uh, going. But when I, I I I think that's how I got it. The only other possibility is we had there was a pipe that was uh, broken in our house. I don't know. I don't know if we made chance we might have got it from the person who came to fix fix the broken pipe. But um, but after I got it, it was yeah. It, it, I remember feeling initially it was I had a fever and then um, but and then everything you just sort of had no energy. You know, if if you stood up, your body was it just it felt like your body just couldn't regulate its temperature. You were either um, you know too cold or too hot. In the night, you you know you constantly have these. Um, horrible sort of night sweats you know you wake up drenched and um and you also feel i had no everyone's symptoms is different but i had a um, nausea this this awful nausea and this, this okay. the worst thing was this horrible sort of, sort of sickly sweet taste in, in the in the back of my throat i, I don't know if that's just because i drank so much honey and uh <laughs> and hot water yeah. but my parents um were worried and my mom's a doctor so she sent me um this uh, oximeter, which checks your yeah, yeah. oxygen level. And um, I remember one, uh, I think they say that if, it, if it's, I, I think it should be in the range of ni- 94 and above. Yeah. Um, if, it, if it's 94, I think it was 94 to 90 or something, or 92, it's, it's, it's a matter of concern. And if it drops below that, yeah, you have to go to the hospital. Yeah. And uh, a couple of times it did drop below, it went into the 80s. And uh, they they told me they told me I didn't need to go in because um, it had been it had been fluctuating. Okay. if it's fluctuating, that's that's uh, positive. Yeah. So in the end, I didn't need to go in. But it was uh, yeah, it was a bit scary, you know. I was thinking most of my friends um, who had had it were fine. Yeah. But they were younger actually. Yeah. People I had knew had it uh, were younger, and when I got it, I remember thinking, feeling my age, and. And, and sort of being um, suddenly being mindful that um, you know the s- sort of sense well, I, I the sense that, the reminder that yeah you know um, these things can re- can you know you don't know how your, your, your body will 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 react do you uh, no can be like,
0: but uh, yeah were you journaling through that time no
1: by the by then. I had stopped. Uh, I'd stopped, but yeah. at the time, all I did was lie on the sofa. Yeah, um, I was just pretty much lying down the whole time.
0: And uh, are you fully recovered now?
1: I remember. Yeah. Hmm? Are you fully? I reco- re- yeah, I recovered? Yeah, I recovered. Yeah. And then what I was, what I was worried I was going to get long COVID because it, yeah. it seemed so much longer than anyone else I knew. Yeah, And uh, my friends, I mean, um, who yeah. had it, who recovered quickly. Uh, but no i i after the 11th day i suddenly had um i well i think towards towards day 9 or, or 8 i had suddenly um recovered uh, my my um appetite for domino's pizza yeah. and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so was i that... i found that i found i would eat the pizza and then suddenly I, my fever would suddenly come back raging oh. i had this theory <laughs> that the grease, the greasy pizza was causing it really <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend would always say uh, that was ridiculous. Yeah, you could yeah, w- one day I was able to eat Domino's pizza um, without getting you know this horrible fever. Yeah. And, and I could walk out of the house yeah. and, and it's yeah, it was fine. But um
0: D- did it did it test your relationship or was it okay or you know? No, we both we
1: was fine. I mean we both had it, so we were both very, very um sick, yeah. but my girlfriend was slightly less sick than me.
0: Yeah. Because 10 days seems an awful long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it was. I mean, it, I suppose there's people who've had it for so long, isn't it? The, yeah, um, yeah. But the but yeah, it, it, it's very, it was very uh, it was a bit there's a point where it's a little bit scary. Um yeah. when I was coughing, a bit of a bit of blood was coming out when I was coughing. Oh just a very small amount, but that yeah. was because um just because I'd been coughing so much. So, but when things like that happened and When's when this disease that no one really knows yeah at the moment um
0: has it changed your outlook at all in life um i know because
1: i was always uh i always had it you know this this view that covid is is uh something we we have you have to be very cautious about and take take safe you know take safeguards yeah. against um and so, I, it, no, it hasn't hasn't really. No, I I I was thinking if I got COVID, there was the risk that something like this could happen, and then it did happen.
0: So. Yeah. And are you are you just careful now?
1: Well, n- now I'm. You know, I try to be careful, but I think I'm. I'm not as careful as I was. Um, in the past. Yeah. um because i mean i mean in the sense that um now i'm you know back then when the lockdown rules were in place yeah in the first pandemic i wasn't i wasn't you know seeing it, seeing anyone and yeah there yeah. were times when um in the very first part of the pandemic um it's very easy to stay at home time yeah uh, as in as in uh, my girlfriend hates it and um, she, you know, she she really relaxes by being with people and going out. So she found yeah. the pandemic really really hard. And um, I, uh, but I, although, although I think it's it is good to go out, you know, get fresh air and uh, yeah. be outside. I find it really easy just to stay in and you yeah. know, watch movies or, yeah. or, or or write or read do yeah. things like that so during the first pandemic there'd be you know days on end when I would just stay in the house and not not even leave for a bit yeah um but uh but even yeah even now though actually I, I think I think lockdown has made me more um, um a bit more insular because I've lost touch with people I would see in the past yeah. so I do I don't I don't have a very active social social life now I just sort of like no
0: I don't time. think many people do and don't think you're alone, or that's like embarrassing or anything. Just, no, no, it's true. It's,
1: I've spoken to a lot of people. You're right. I've to a lot of people who've yeah. said the same thing. Yeah,
0: because like, I, like I've been going very far at all, and uh, there's just speaking. And I like speaking to people, and you know, so I'm um, just finding all the other ways to speak to people. Because I'll speak to anybody who listens, essentially. <laughs> or even people who don't listen, I'll still speak. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so I don't think there's any shame in being more insular. I think a lot of people have are, are, going, are going through that. But one of the th- questions that came to mind was the idea of, like, well, how do you feel about face masks now? Because like, they're, now they're not mandatory, right? Yeah. some people are still wearing them, and some people are not. What do you? I, I,
1: yeah, to, I mean, um, I, I don't understand why the face mask rule was was removed. Yeah, um, because uh, it was something which um, would have, a, you know, I, I I think you know lives are, are more important than um, damage to the economy and and. I'm uh, glad to hear you know, it. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I accept sometimes. I accept sometimes. If um, you know that there is an art, there is, of course, the argument that um, people's lives can also, in some ways, in, indirectly uh, be put at risk. Um, you know, if uh, I think there is a balance in, in terms of some restrictions can sometimes. Um, also, also be damaging to people um, who who need who need to be you, you know who need need to have some flexibility around the restrictions. Yeah. But things like masks, I, I don't I don't understand why they're removed. There's there's no there's no con in wearing a mask. It's a bit yeah. you know, some people find it a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, but um, it clearly it clearly it's going to stop. You know, people who are coughing and sneezing. Um, there's evidence it stops. Um, uh, it helps reduce, you know, transmission through yeah. things like that. So I, I, I think it was, it was silly that it was removed. I, th- I think it was mostly done because, um, I don't know. There's, there's the, it was, it was the whole idea of Freedom Day. I think. Yeah. And, um, it,
0: to know, me, this, it, this... to me, it seems a symbolic act. You know.
1: Exactly. That's R- I think.
0: Yeah. Rather than, rather than a thought out like calculated thing, it's like there's a visual representation of the of the pandemic and once we get rid of that then automatically in people's minds it's uh, it's gone then you know i mean it's like but- i think i i feel
1: like that's yeah i feel like maybe um they wanted to give well they could the fact they called it freedom day for, for yeah. a start um you know is sort of like a uh, a sign, isn't it? They wanted the day to be to be a um, a, a symbol of sort of victory over COVID and and uh, the restrictions no longer being there. And I think getting rid of masks is, is sort of the yeah, you're right, symbolic representation of that. Well, I don't think it makes any sense. Um, uh,
0: and, and also, if,
1: if we, I, I don't think we have really um, we've really conquered the pandemic anyway. Um, you know, there's there's over twenty thousand cases a, a day, and uh, even it seems. Um, I mean, uh, it's very uncertain what's going to happen. If, if the if, if the virus becomes slightly more transmissible, yeah. uh, it could suddenly explode. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it, it seems. It seems. Yeah, it seems.
0: And it seems like if it was any other circumstance, like if we were, if we were at war and it, we were mm. losing we were losing, we were having 5,000 deaths a day or we were, there was a lag, somebody was killing somebody or some people were killing people, 5,000 people a day with knives or whatever. We wouldn't be so lost about it, is what I'm saying. It's like, it seems yeah. really weird that we we've just accepted a certain level of, like this level of virus is okay, and if and if it's one of your family members, well, that's tough luck, you know. I mean, I
1: think I think that's true. If, for example, um, there was a terrorist attack,
0: yeah, which
1: which killed even even ten people, yeah. um, a day, um, yeah. you know, we I, we would go into complete, you know, full lockdown almost immediately. I yeah, think, uh, I mean. people. Be, you'd be, they'd be sacrificing, you know, uh, all kinds of um, f- freedoms. Um, but we've got, we've got hundreds of people, um, you know, we're, we're dying. It, it's, it's strange, it's interesting how people, how the government and people react to certain risks and in a very different way to other risks.
0: And uh, and especially from a disabled purposes point of view, it's like you know some disabled people can't take the vaccine for whatever reason, you know. So they can't they can't literally leave the house, you know. So so it's not really considering everyone essentially.
1: I mean that's yeah that's 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 a that's a, um, that's a very important point. I think uh, a lot of I think a lot of people um they just think oh well the vaccines is available now you can take it if you you know if you want yeah um but yeah some people can't take it and what do those people do if uh, if the numbers if covid numbers are skyrocketing it, yeah. it means yeah yeah there's a, there's a it's easy to think that because the vaccine is now available you can just yeah. anyone who wants to take it can take it yeah. Um, yeah. And, it's, and it's all fine. But you're right, for the people who can't take the vaccine, if there are if COVID case numbers have, are skyrocketing, hmm. then those those people effectively become prisoners in you know in their own home. Yeah. Um, and and at risk, and they're at risk because even if they stay at home, it can be very hard to avoid people completely. So it's
0: uh, and do you think there's any circumstance where the journals could come? come? Could come back, or do you think it is done? I mean,
1: I, I think I think I, I um, said, you know, um, well, I suppose the the journals of a pandemic under under that specific name is has now been acquired by the Wellcome Trust. Yeah, but um, a project, effectively, a similar project um, or a continuation of it. Um, I think if, if um, someone else you know took up the the took it up, um, yeah, I think that would be a great yep. great thing. Um, and I, I would I would I would enjoy writing, spending more time writing uh, for it yeah. uh, than rather than doing the admin. But yeah, but if, in terms of, in terms of the in terms of the admin um, side of it, yeah, it's difficult for me to do for me to do it. Just because yeah. um, I think when, when I did when I did it when I started it, um, I had um, you know the courts had stopped um, Shabbat, so there were basically no hearings. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, not, not all courts. I think you know, the c- criminal courts were different, but family courts effectively there were there were no hearings for, <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Um, very very um, you know. Sporadic hearings, very important, complicated cases and urgent ones. But a lot of the other cases just suddenly stopped while while everyone decided how are we going to hold hearings remotely? But one of the one of the benefits. Yeah. But and then and then during that period, I had all this time um, um, extra time. And then now now it's it's gone back. Uh, One of the benefits of um, the response to COVID is that it's a lot easier for people to do their jobs from home now yeah, and I think in some ways um, that that can that ha- that does mean things are you know accessible. Uh, yeah, has improved accessibility. you can have you can go to court and be there in person physically, but you can also um, now completely do it. Just everyone in their own home through a, through sc- screens, through um, electronic bundles, yeah, uh, through things like Skype. But then the knock on effect of that is even though I'm not going into court physically, now I have, um, you know, sort of working, uh, (laughs) you know, being overworked again. So,
0: yeah. And a couple of questions about that really come to mind is that that I was thinking, has uh, working remotely kind of affected the way you kind of interact with your clients? Like, it's different having somebody in the room looking into the white to their eyes and talking about their uh, you know the problem that they've come to you with and like talking to them on screen what have you noticed any difference there oh yeah there is there is a big
1: difference um i although i don't always like the travel i do prefer being um physically present with yeah with with some i mean it's a mixed it's a mixed bag because You get, you know, uh, because I work long. Most lots of branches work quite long hours sometimes. Yeah. And so it can be nice not to have to do that travel in the morning. Yeah. um, And spend that time with your family or or doing doing what you like. Uh, But then when you're physically in court and you're or you're physically with someone, um, there's there's more of a connection. It's easier to, it's easier to understand. You know. Sometimes it's very important. I, I had I had a case where someone was I think effectively uh, someone had had been you know traumatised, um, suffered P- PTSD um, I yeah. think and and uh, they had to talk about very upsetting things in court and they were we were all behind screens and um the you know there's when you're having a court case sometimes. There's about eight different little you know screens on, on the screen at any one time, and I could see my client was uh, you know crying and really sort of rocking backwards and forwards and wasn't in a good way at all. And um, the judge was so, so um, abrasive and didn't see didn't ha- I hadn't noticed I think I'm not sure he even noticed um, yeah. what was happening and I had to had to bring it up and raise it but I think. Yeah, I think sometimes it, it is important to be in person. Yeah.
0: yeah. And have you now that we're a long way down this pandemic, have you seen any differences in the kind of cases you're getting as a result of the pandemic? Has there been any change in that? Um there's
1: there's a lot more, there was a lot more family law work and yeah. um I think there's, a, there's a few reasons. One, I, one was um, that, well, so domestic abuse cases um, increased apparently. Yeah. In very, very high numbers, um, and I, I think there may also have been, there might also have been more relationship breakdown. I'm not completely sure, but I, I, I In terms of divorce cases and things like that. But, yeah. But also part of it was that. Um, when the court stopped running for a while, it it added to a backlog. So there's big delays in family cases being heard. So yeah. now there's a huge backlog. So there's lo- loads of work. Um, I don't know if the pandemic itself has caused a shift in, in, in my work though. But yes. I know there's a lot more
0: it right now. But, well, uh, you know, it's like hospital waiting lists. They were big anyway. And now the pandemic has made the... Even bigger. Isn't the same in law?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. It's it's similar. Yeah, you know, and like because obviously you'd like more work, but there's only so much work you can take on, right? For anybody. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and you know, but you know, in the past, um, I think I think at one point in the pandemic, I I I've stopped. I tried to stop doing this now, but at one point in the pandemic, um. And actually even now even next week I have two hearings in one day two court hearings in one day All right. and you wouldn't ordinarily do that if you're in person because how can you how can you go to one court and then you know yeah, get yeah. trained but you can do it if you're if you're running the hearing virtually yeah but it's very it can be exhausting preparing for some some certain yeah. types of cases so um, yeah so it's, it's it so means what, you're, you're a bit overworked.
0: Yeah, so has uh, the demands of your job changed almost because people think people think oh yeah, I haven't got the excuse of the travel anymore. So you could be in three places at once rather than you know.
1: Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, there, there was a bit of that. Um there was a bit of that, and also um the other the other thing I noticed was I think there's a during the first during the last year I was I was working a lot more, uh, working long hours and and not really having um what what I found really hard is uh, not having time to process my day, so I think a lot of people have this um, yeah. the need to just do something switch activities, do something completely different yeah uh, and have that time to yourself and then and then start re- you know um, seeing. F- if, if you go- if you're going there's people you see or your f- friends or family or just relaxing for the day to have that have that moment to process things and you, usually I do that I think on on the um on the way home from work yeah um, but I didn't because I wasn't doing that uh, I would be working on sort of sometimes a very um, difficult case you know allegations allegations of sexual abuse or domestic abuse and difficult clients or people who are very very upset or angry and then suddenly i would just switch and you know have to you know be eating dinner with, yeah. my, with my girlfriend and then i would be taking a lot of the sort of carrying a lot of the stress um in my head immediately afterwards so i i, I realized that if you don't um if you're not going if you're working from home it's important to have a break and do something or meditate or or go yeah. you know do something uh go out or just have a, have a little bit of time to yourself i think to process
0: yeah You said something really interesting there like mm-hmm. it's like when they say who looks after the doctors i mean who who looks after how do you look after your own mental health
1: yeah i mean it's a, i think that's a um good yeah it's a good question i mean you know it's in some in some er, Areas um, and this, this I think this operates for a lot of a lot of people, um, activists as well, activists, uh, some lawyers, um, um, sometimes journalists. But there's this phenomenon of um, secondary trauma, uh, secondary PTSD, um, or secondary trauma where um, if you're working or exposed to really upsetting um, people with you know people who've had really upsetting and disturbing, uh, painful experiences, traumatic experiences, then you can, over time, that can really um, affect you um, and give you sort of the secondary type of trauma. And I think it's increasingly now becoming um, talked about um, amongst lawyers, but I, I've also, a friend of mine who was a, an activist working in, I think, w- with um, in migrant detention centers, uh, they, there was a, A session organised by the the Quakers um, around secondary trauma and how to deal with it, and there was Mm -hmm. a retreat uh, which sounded really interesting. So I think I think it's a good question. Yeah, I think you need to need to make sure that you don't um, work too long. Um, And I think if if you if you're working with material which is uh, things which are very painful, upsetting, I think traumatic. I think you need to. It's good to be able to talk to, about that with someone, and to yeah. also make sure that that doesn't consume all of your time.
0: Yeah, because so. like so many other professions and uh, mm. and and uh, jobs, you're not a tool. People think of lawyers and things and I, the people of that nature as tools. They, right. They, yeah. They forget that they're actually people, mm. and uh, that. That is what is interesting to me, is like, that you, to me, yeah. I I almost forget that you're a lawyer, you know? I uh, For for long periods, I didn't even know that you, I'm sure you must have told me, but uh, I, I put it to the back of my mind, you know? So, sure. but I'm like, because I just know you as a person, but a little bit as a person, but... When when you're a lawyer for somebody and they just know you as a lawyer, they don't really... They just want their problem solving or they want their stress relieving or whatever, but they forget that you you are an individual and you are a person. So I just wanted to kind of explore that idea with you because I think it's something that needs raising, you know. Yeah, there's, there's, there, there are those people who think... Oh, lawyers! No, you don't you don't need to worry about it because they get paid handsomely anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. people think sometimes people think wrongly, in my opinion, that money, like they just assume that you get paid lots when you probably don't, you know. And even if you did, yeah, it doesn't compensate yeah. for the trauma of it aspect of it. I mean, I always, I
1: I think I um, I do. To some extent, I do. I do. Well, I do sort of sh- share that view of, of say, oh, you know, lawyers. If you're a lawyer and you get paid a lot, um, and you're dealing with someone who's actually experienced the trauma themselves directly, then it. it I sort of tend to think, oh, well, what, you know, what am I? or What are you complaining about? And it's not something I think think about a lot in that sense. But I think I think that probably is a mistake because um, there are people out there who, um, there's certainly, you know, lawyers. You're right. Who um, don't uh, get paid very much at all or have very very poor job security Um, you can get paid you can get very high income as a lawyer but it depends on what type of law you do and if you do legal aid work which is some of the most interesting and important work um, then because you you you, 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 it's possible to to make a very very you know that sort of very very low amount of very low income Um, and in the past I you know I I used to do um, a lot of legal aid um, as well but I think, um, yeah, I think it's a mistake to think, oh, well, if you're a lawyer, you should be able to take it. And I try and and keep it in mind when I'm against other lawyers who are having a bad day, because my job can be quite adversarial. So, you know, it's lawyer against lawyer. You're you're arguing your client's case. You're against the other person. I try not to see the other side as an enemy. And um, when you're against someone who's difficult, you know, it's... it's it's an interesting job, being specifically being a barrister, where you're going into court and you're you're basically putting down someone else's argument, and you're saying you know sometimes you're sometimes you're saying in very strong terms, this is ridiculous or this doesn't make any sense, and um, you have to you do have to sometimes step back step back and think, well could I have can I say that in a, you know do I have to be this aggressive or can can we can we not be aggressive at all? Can we try and come up with some kind of compromise or solution? Yeah. Um, but then sometimes the decision is out of your hands. You know, your, your client wants you, you, <laughs> you to do something and then the other side very strongly wants to do something else. And then you sort of, you sort of do feel a bit like a, 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 a tool.
0: <laughs> and, but, and, yeah. and, and whether we like it or not, it's about winning and losing. That's that, you, know, you know, you have to win the case for the client. You know, you know? I, don't, I don't think of
1: it so. I don't think of it as having to win at, at all costs. How I think of it is, um, you you have two jobs. One is to um, represent your client and do and do the best job you can for them. Mm. But the other job uh, you have, which I think is is more important, if there's a conflict, is to um, do your job of helping the court come to um, the right decision.
0: Okay. And.
1: Yeah. And, and, and often um, that does mean, you you know, your, your job is to argue your client's case. There's someone else arguing yeah. the opposite case. So if yeah. both cases are put strongly,
0: yeah. the
1: judge will hopefully make the right decision. Yeah. But sometimes um, there's, there's things you have to do which aren't about winning or, or, or losing. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
0: So it's about helping the argument, really, you know. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, sometimes it—it it, it means effectively, you, you know, you will be doing uh, helping the argument. Also, helping, um, you know, if a client comes and they want to, they want to um, um, make a case for, you know, they want to argue something. You might not agree, and might not be your um, what you would do, but the idea is, it's their voice. Um, and you're, you're, you you're know you're being their voice yeah so if you if you just exercise your own judgment you would sort of be taking all the power out that they have away from them yeah um, and speaking on their behalf but, but without listening to them so um so yeah it's about it's about i think it's about helping the judge make the right decision about being honest uh, and also about um I mean, this is an ideal. This is, I think, what the ideal lawyer should be. Yeah. But um, also helping people um, have a voice. Um, but then I also think, also in certain areas of law, um, yeah. the, the types I did in the past. What's really interesting is where there's also a political element to it. Yeah. Um, and where, for example, you only take on a certain type of case because you're you're trying to push forward um, political change. Yeah. I really enjoy doing, doing that type of um, work.
0: Yeah, because that's interesting, because I always think that lawyers can't get involved in, like, unless it's overtly political, unless the entire case is political. I always think the lawyer has to take a neutral view. Is that right or wrong?
1: No, well, that's the... Um, well, n- no. So, so, for example, uh, well, you know, there's, there's lawyers... Um, who are very political. So, uh, say so for example, um, when I was, before I became barrister, I worked for a solicitor as a paralegal, and um, we represented only um, children who were uh, in prison, children and young, and teenagers, sometimes young adults who were in prison, serving very long sentences. And we believed the um, age of criminal responsibility was a way too um way too low at 10. yeah and, and yeah. children were really being brutalized and um, effectively abused by being put through this prison process yeah so uh if there was a case about uh what the age of criminal responsibility should should be none of me or my colleagues would ever um be an advocate for the state okay because we we disagree with that and all for the same reason um when i was applying to be a barrister uh i uh, didn't want to apply for to be a criminal barrister if i had to do prosecutions because th- if that would mean that i had to prosecute children yeah because i, I don't i don't believe even if a child has done um, you know I, I at the age of 10 11 12 13 14 yeah. I, I think even older um it should be dealt with through uh, the wealth you know the welfare state um, huge amount of clients we had uh, who were in prison were there because as a sort of dumping ground for um because the, the state the state was failing its duties to look after various different issues yeah um, ranging from you know uh, support that care leavers should have support for homelessness uh, mental health issues um, abuse these children had suffered uh, the state hadn't hadn't properly looked after them and then instead of helping them when they when they um offended uh imprison them and make make it worse so i would i would never um prosecute uh, you know want to prosecute children or or work in um public law where you're challenging decisions of the state i'd be very reluctant except maybe in very specific type of case to take on cases for the um, for the state. Yeah. So, so sorry, go on. So yeah. So it's so it's uh, it's very political. That there was a group I was part of because um, sometimes we we uh, one of one of the types of cases we did was actions against detaining authorities, which is where you sue prisoners for um, neg- negligence. Sometimes to deal with. Them once it was a negligence in dealing with a disability a prisoner who had a had a learning disability and as a result he couldn't do a course which he had to do to be released from prison so they said you have to do this course oh. to be released from prison but they didn't they didn't make the adjustments necessary for him to be able to do the course yeah. so there were things like this and um, we would part of our job was to take actions and sue uh, prisons and this team were fell under a broader umbrella um, called Actions Against the Police and Detaining Authorities. So we had colleagues who, who took actions against the police and there's a, there's a network of these lawyers of actions against the police. And people who work in this field, whether you work for the police or you work for people suing the police, um, they choose a team and they stick, they stick with it. If you're a lawyer that acts for the police, you don't you don't take actions against them and vice versa. So it's very it's very political. Um, certain areas of law. I, I think the most interesting parts parts of the law are political. Um, if if you if you look back through history, there have always been incredibly unfair laws, yeah. uh, laws that you know we we know are wrong and unjust. Um, so how how can it be justified to try and uphold those particular laws? If you, if you think the law is completely wrong, um, I I, th- I think it's better to. Be part of groups taking legal action to change the law rather than just being sort of a faceless um you know supposedly neutral person who, who administers uh, uh, who helps administer an unfair system
0: Yeah, it sounds like I should get you back on to talk about law in the future because uh, I was just thinking he, he wouldn't want to touch law with a badge you know you know, I thought you'd be like you know, you wouldn't want to say anything at all about politics and law, you know so uh, maybe in the future I should get you on to talk about law because I know without talking about specific cases I I now know that you're happy to talk about that so that's good Um, Yeah, in terms of this show is there anything you would like to say finally before we close
1: um, just, just thanks for having me on, and uh, good, good to see you. Um, see, you know, see you in person. Well, not in person, but see you. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think. I, I think I've, I've just had. Um, I think it. was I don't know. You're, there was a profile or something um, from years ago. Now, when you did, uh, you did, you did that I th- when we first spoke about oh, yeah. newspaper article. So I, I, I sort of have that image of you in my head. <laughs> as sort of this this person who hasn't aged, who's still. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, well, I'd, I'd just like to say a thank you from the bottom of my heart for the podcast and do and doing the show, and hopefully you'll, you'll genuinely keep in touch with me this time. <laughs> sure,
1: yeah, absolutely. You keep in touch as well, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: And uh, goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.